Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Girlish. My name is Gage, and I'm here with my co-host, Olivia. Hey, everyone. It's me. So today, we're kind of stepping back, I guess. We talk, obviously, a lot about trans issues and how to come out, dealing with family members, transitioning, all that type of stuff. But personally, for me, I feel like the number one question that I get asked all the time is how to start the entire process. And we've never really gone into detail about that. So today we're going to be basically just talking about how to get started on hormones and how the whole medical part of your transition is initiated, I guess, just because I feel like there's really not one way to go about it. Everybody's different and the time length that it takes for everybody to get situated and connected with all of the people they need to get connected to to start hormones varies. So I think it'll be fun for us to kind of go over this just so that we can answer a few questions and hopefully provide some tips and tricks to people who are interested in starting their transition medically, but don't really know how to go about it yet. Yeah, I'm excited because I want to give some helpful like uh, tips on everything because I've been through a hell of experience um, trying just to get on hormones and to be respected by doctors. And I really want to give the push for people to have like, to like push for having full on to- like autonomy over your body. Um, because I know a lot of doctors can abuse that, especially because uh, trans people and trans identities are being more and more accepted. So I feel like a lot of times trans bodies are viewed as this like science experiment And um, in my case, I felt like I was like abused in terms of like how they took advantage of that. And it's this whole story. And I mean, I've talked about it in the past, but I'm excited to kind of just like um, talk about this and kind of try and push everyone to fully um, uh, take care of yourself and put yourself first and understand your worth and understand that uh, doctors aren't giving you hormones as a favor. It's not some special thing that they're doing. It's not, um, they're not important because you're giving them to you. Uh, you're getting them because you deserve them as much as anyone else deserves them. Um, and yeah, I just want to like make that plain and simple. Uh, they aren't saviors for giving you hormones, but I am very excited to like, uh, just talk about this, give you guys some hints and tricks and tips and all that stuff. I think it's really important. And this is going to be specifically towards like US, uh, uh, like medicine is that like, that's kind of what we're knowledge on, obviously, because we're both from the United States. So if you're from another country, I know sometimes the guidelines of getting hormones is a lot more difficult. I've had friends that have been on waiting lists for years and years and years. And I know that's going to be really difficult and a pain in the ass to deal with. Um, But I guess like our experience is just more uh, obviously based in the United States. A complete different experience though, like Gage living on the West Coast and me like in the South. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see like, I keep saying excited. <laughs> I'm I'm eager to see the differences and the similarities of our experiences because I don't think I've talked with you that much or that in detail about like the whole transitioning experience. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we've shared like the steps or like the first step that we took in order to start transitioning or to get on hormones. So it's going to be just interesting for us to talk about it because we haven't really touched on that before. And I feel like a lot of the other topics we have kind of talked about at one point. So this is going to be fun and fresh and refreshing. Um, Before we get to obviously into the main topic, it is currently, as we're filming this, the 13th of December. So we are going to be taking a little bit of a break on the week of Christmas, obviously just because it's the holidays, times are kind of hectic and it's kind of hard to coordinate. So we will be taking a one-week break. Don't be scared. Don't be alarmed. I know in the past, sometimes we've we've disappeared, but we're just going to be gone for a week. It's going to be okay. We'll be back. We'll definitely be back. I'll make sure of it. But yeah, it's important for us not to like, um, we don't want to take too much of a time off. Obviously, um, in the past, it's easy for us to get caught up in like our life because I think we're both very busy bodied people um, working full time. Um, I'm going to school. It's like really easy to just kind of get off your rhythm and then just kind of trying to find a time to like make for the podcast can be really difficult. But 
I've like ingrained like a schedule in like my life on like how to like work around the podcast. And both of us have talked about like our like filming days and stuff like that. And now that I'm done with school for the time being, um, we're definitely going to push for um, making sure these episodes get out to you guys. So please don't worry. We'll definitely be back. I we Before this episode, we wrote down like a little schedule for like the next four weeks on how we want um, everything to go. But yeah, it's only a week break. Um, I'm very happy to uh, go and celebrate uh, Christmas with my partner and her family. And I'm excited for um, all the gift giving and everything. And yeah, it's going to be a really, really good break. And I hope you guys have an amazing holiday. Uh, It's really uh, important. But another thing that I wanted to bring up is that we want to do like a like a little movie club with Girlish. And we want to like, um, every now and then we want to like put out a movie that we want everyone to watch. And then um, we all come together and we can kind of discuss our thoughts about the about the movie and like how we felt they represent trans people. So we were looking at movies that have trans representation in it and how they did about representing the trans uh, community. So we are thinking about doing that and we want to, um, so January 11th is when we're going to be discussing this movie, um, but we're going to be ta- watching The Craft. So if you guys can, the new 2020 film, The Craft, I think it's The Craft, The Legacy, uh, uh, rent it if you can, or check it out if you can. Um, and yeah, so the 11th is when we'll be reviewing that movie and talking about it. So watch it. And we want to hear all of your thoughts and perspectives, and we can definitely discuss it on like the podcast. So if you watch it, feel free to send us a DM because then we can kind of bring it up in the conversation. So um, watch that. You haven't told us January 11th is when the episode goes up. So watch it, send us a DM, and we can definitely get started on that. So movie club is something we constantly have been wanting to do. And I think it's important to talk about trans representation in media and stuff like that. And there's a lot of times movies that we both miss because of just like how hectic our lives can be. Sometimes we're just unable to watch uh, represent or watch like programs that have like trans people in it. Um, and I know a lot of people recommend it. So, yeah. I'm really excited. I just, I love the original movie so much. And I'm a little skeptical of how good it is, but I'm still going to watch it. It's like one of those movies where you can kind of like get from the previews. It's not going to be like a an Oscar winner, but I feel like it's still going to be enjoyable. And it's obviously going to be fun to dissect like the representation of a trans character in the show because that's what we do. That's our thing. <laughs> and it's gonna it's gonna be so shitty. I know already because I wasn't <laughs> in it because they didn't cast me. Oh my god! Yeah, that too. <laughs> so I'm already gonna view this movie um, biased because they didn't cast me. It should have been me. Um, I don't know if you guys watched that previous podcast episode, but I auditioned for the role in this movie, and unfortunately, I didn't get it. But it was it was a cool little thing. I did like a little self tape, and I had a bunch of fun doing it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited to watch this movie and when you're watching this fully envision me in your head and then just know that that was supposed to be me. And if the movie's bad, which it has like a 49 on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, it's because, no, it's not because of her, but <laughs> it's, that's <maybe>. why <laughs> the movie didn't go to theaters. It's because they didn't cast you. Right. That's exactly. It's mm-hmm. not the pandemic or anything. It's the fact that you were not picked. <laughs> the pandemic happened because oh my God, I wasn't yeah. cast. It's, it's, like, it's just a, a ripple effect. Yeah. So uh, if you guys watch it, just yeah, keep in mind that that was my role. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I think it's going to be fun. And yeah, it'll be a good old time. Um, but yeah, is there anything new going on in your life this past uh, past um, week? Not really. I've been playing this game. You might have heard of it, Cyberpunk 2077. It's like probably one of the most anticipated games in a long, long, long time. And I've been really excited to play it. However, I mean, I'm not going to get too much into it because I feel like there's enough content to cover about the game because it's gotten a lot of backlash from the trans community for their portrayal of trans bodies. So I don't want to spill the beans now, but I am like 
playing the game. Obviously, I enjoy playing video games, and this is a game that I've looked forward to. But when I saw people trashing on it, I was like, oh, like, should I even play it? Am I bad for playing it or trying it on my own? Like, I posted something on my story, and, like, I got it to act on Instagram people were like why are you playing that game why are you supporting it blah 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 and I was like oh like I'm just trying to form my own opinion right now but I think it's going to be good for us to discuss that because video games has or the video game industry has not like been the best in terms of representation for the LGBT community so I think there's a lot to unpack in this one because there's like features yeah. that have never ever been added in any other game before. So it's like, is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? Like a lot of people are actually leaning towards. Yeah. It's funny. We talked about it before that the podcast started. And I was like, this is going to give me an excuse to buy the game. Yeah. Because because um, I was like, oh, it's $60. I don't know if I can do that. But it's like, oh, we're doing it for an episode? Of course. I'll, I'll pay that for money. Research. It's for research. I'll do a nice uh, tax write-off. Um, but uh, yeah, so I definitely want to talk about that. And we'll be talking about that um, in one of these weeks coming up. So look forward to that. Um, and that's another thing to look forward to. If you haven't played the game and you want to play the game, here's a reason. Uh, we're definitely going to be discussing it. Um, so please uh, check it out. And um, I for sure know that I am. And I'm very, very pumped to play it. So yeah, some fun things happening. I'm happy that uh, you found a game. Are you like enjoying it though for the most part? Like are you having fun? Yeah, I actually am enjoying it a lot. I'm like the type of person that goes crazy on like making my character because I like to get sucked into the universe. Like I will pretty much spend all day doing side missions instead of doing the actual story because I just think it's interesting. So I've like remade my character 27 times because – I just got bored and I wanted her to look better and now I'm satisfied. So I feel like I can finally start playing the game because I'm not going to restart it in the next 20 minutes. I feel like character like um, and, or character development and like when you're developing characters, I think that's the funnest part of any video game. Like The Sims, like and anytime I play in the past when I would like play skate games, I would always spend so long like making my character and then like making her just like look exactly how I wanted her to look. Um, or like, yeah, any other game like Animal Crossing, even when there's like limited options, I take the absolute longest time. And Emily gets so mad at me because she's like, I just want to play. But I'm like, no, like, give me like an hour and then I'll be I'll be good. Um, but it is very I think it's important to as trans people to like make sure that we get the image that we want to have like perfectly right. Because like, I feel like this whole like um, idea of like, I mean, we had to invent ourselves. Like, obviously, we had to start from scratch, like who we were, um, you know, being trans people. So I think this was like an escape, like this, like um, developing your character, making your character was like an escape. But it was for me, especially. So obviously, I still have very close ties with that. So I agree with you, or that's like so important for me uh, to create that like top tier character that fits like my vibe. You have to be serving looks 24-7. Like, you can't be <laughs> exactly. it. It just doesn't fit with the story. Like, I feel like when I'm playing games, I always – I just get really into it because, like you said, it's like a level of immersion, especially before my transition. Like, I wanted to be my character. So I always tweak the tiniest thing. Like, I'll spend 20 minutes fixing the shape of my nose and, like, the arch of my eyebrow because I want to be perfect because – that's just like what I use to kind of live out my life when I was younger is my character. My character was living their best life and I was living vicariously through them, even though they weren't real, but it still helped me <laughs> through my childhood. Yeah, for sure. Like right now, like not to be a virgin or anything, but I am playing D and D. I started <laughs> D and D campaign. This is my first one. So there's a lot of like learning. I thought it was going to be like an easy, like, Oh, like you just like pretend to be like, you just role play. Um, and I thought it was going to be just something easy, but it's like this whole fucking science. Like there's like giant books on like how to play, like all these details and everything. And like, I really had to learn. I watched so many gameplay on it. Um, just creating your character takes so much time, but it is so much fun. And I didn't realize how fun I was going to have. And I think it's just because the whole aspect of character creation is so special to me. 
So like I'm writing out like my character and I'm like talking about like, oh, like, like this is their backstory and like, this is what they look like. And um, it was so fun picking uh, the name. I went on like this generator where I like got the name and it's just really cool to be able to like develop your character. And it's all in your head too. Like you, you can't see it, but it is cool to kind of try and develop it like on paper. So like develop like how you look like without like a full image on paper so you can play the game so there can be like a cool story. So, I mean, that's been a fun prop thing to do. Um, so if you ever want to play D&D, I recommend it. I actually I think it's pretty do. fun. I'm intrigued actually. It's really cool. And um, it definitely is like a lot of like learning um, like to get started. But once you get started, once you're in the, the rhythm of it, it's like it genuinely, I was like really, I really enjoy it. Um, but yeah. So I think with that being said, we can definitely uh, jump in today's topic. Um, so yeah, with that, yeah. So if you want to start it off, we definitely can. Sure. Um, so I guess I will just start off by talking about how I personally started just because I don't think we can have like a set timeline just because everybody does it so differently. So I think it's just good to highlight the fact that everyone kind of does their own research and things start to come together whenever they come together based off of what you did. And for me personally, the first thing that I did was I looked up a gender therapist and counselor just because everything that I was turning to was telling me that in order for me to start hormones, I needed approval from like a therapist or a counselor to give to my endocrinologist. And that's very much the case in a lot of places. You can't just walk into an endocrinologist office and request them to put you on estrogen and testosterone blockers. That's usually not how it works. So I went away, clicked away on my computer, and I found a gender counselor in Seattle. And I met with her probably around two or three times. I this is like not the best mindset, but I I was like thinking that I didn't really need her. The only reason I went to her was because I wanted to start hormones and she was my gateway ticket to get there. So that's like what my initial thoughts were when I first Googled a gender counselor. But then after like I started seeing her and after the sessions started to go on, I started to realize it was like actually very helpful because I've never talked in depth about my identity and my feelings before, which obviously like it doesn't matter how mentally stable you think you are like going to therapy and talking about your experiences in your life isn't like a sign of weakness like a lot of people seem to think it's just what everybody needs like everybody needs to talk about their feelings sometimes so it was really eye-opening for me to kind of experience what therapy was like since I've never had that before I even took my mom to a session and like she kind of facilitated me explaining to my mom how I felt all these years and my mom was able to understand. So that was like a really cute moment for us too. So all in all, I was like really eager to start hormones. So I was like, I'm just going to go here and get my referral and then leave. But ultimately it was a good decision for me. And I do recommend if you just came out to seek out either a counselor or perhaps a therapist because yes, they will be able to help you get onto hormones, but it's also important to talk about your feelings and the things that you're going through because you might not, you know, be out to a lot of people at that point. And just spilling it out, talking to someone, even if they're a stranger, is really beneficial. So I saw her for a couple months. And then after that, she recommended me to an endocrinologist that was nearby. And I scheduled an appointment with him. I had to wait actually a really long time because he was so backed up with clients. So I think it took like one to two months for me to schedule an actual appointment with my endocrinologist. I went in and again, kind of the same thing. The endocrinologist asked me a lot of the questions that my therapist asked me just to try and like figure out where I was in my transition and how I felt about my gender identity and everything. So I answered all those questions and I was lucky. I don't know if a lot of other people have this experience, but literally the first day I took my blood work and everything and he sent my prescription over to the pharmacy 
And by the time I got back to my house, it was ready for me to pick up. So I was lucky enough to get hormones the same day that I met my endocrinologist and got blood work done. And I don't know if that was because of the fact that I went to see a therapist and I got a referral or what if I just got lucky because I know a lot of people have to wait once they see a doctor in order to get approved to get hormones. But I was lucky enough to get them on that day. So for me, I guess the process took around one to three months total of going to see a counselor and then going to see an endocrinologist and then getting the hormones. So not too long. I mean, obviously, if it was up to me, I would rather have just went to the doctor that day and then got them so I could have started sooner. But you really do have to take into account that this is a process and you can't I mean, you can try and rush, but there are steps that you have to take in order to get to where you want to go just due to like different laws in different states. I don't know how it's like outside of Washington, but it wasn't very strict. And I probably can imagine if you live somewhere else, probably have to go through a lot more hoops than I did in order to get started. Um, How was it like for you in Florida? Like, did you feel like you were trying really hard or you had to talk to a lot of people and get a lot of referrals in order to get started or was it straightforward? I definitely think that, I mean, it took a really long time, but it was because I don't think it was necessarily because I didn't have the resources available. Um, My hometown is pretty conservative, um, but I didn't really decide to start hormones until once I moved out. I was like, I'm going to move out and then start hormones. So where I moved was a college town, which I'm super lucky that, um, like, if you look on the map, the voting map, the only places that are blue um, in terms of, like, like the, this past election were the the cities with the major colleges. And so Alachua County, which is where I'm from, Gainesville, Florida, uh, we are, would say it's pretty progressive here. It's pretty um, uh, supportive of, like, trans identities. And so I didn't necessarily have, like, a hard time finding I mean, I guess to an extent, it was mostly of like, I didn't have insurance whenever I first was like by myself. I was kind of like kicked out and I just had no health insurance and I just like had no idea how to navigate uh, life. So what I ended up having to do was I applied to Medicaid because I had no money. Um, So I was lucky enough that I got like government assistance Medicaid and I went to like my local... Uh, like psychiatrist that like was supposed to be like affordable and and I had a scheduled an appointment and I like had this whole I mean it was like this whole meeting I called a million places and I was like um, I'm trans and it was so awkward like the whole starting process was so like awkward because it's just a bunch of calling and a bunch of calling and a bunch of calling so super overwhelmed I ended up going to this place in Gainesville called Meridian um, I don't think it matters if I say the name. And I saw a psychiatrist um, and uh, I went through this whole meeting. I went through all this trouble to see them. And I was like, yeah, so like I'm trans. And they were like, we can't do anything about it. We don't like help trans people here. So um, the psychiatrist was like a miss, but I had no insurance. So I really didn't know what to do. Um, but luckily, Shands is very, very big in Gainesville. It's what the University of Florida is connected with, and all the students um, work out of Shands. And luckily, Shands took the insurance because it was this big conglomerate um, that's like in Gainesville. So they take a bunch of different insurances. So I was lucky where um, the appointments were fairly cheap. I sort of pay hundreds of dollars for the for those appointments, but um, <clears throat> they were fairly cheap, I'd say. And so. I definitely was fortunate that I was able to find a place, but it was just a a bunch of calling. And then um, I ended up calling, I I ended up calling the same place twice on accident, but the second time I called them, the first time I called them, they were like, we don't have, we don't help trans people. And then I called them the second time and they're like, yeah, actually we have, we have a gender clinic that's just opening up. So, which was wild. Like I can't even imagine what I would have done if I didn't call the place twice. But um, yeah, I found us a gender clinic that had opened up with um, with uh, pediatric endocrinology, and because at the time it was nineteen, so I still was a pediatric, and so uh, I was able to get an appointment. I had to see a primary care physician, my my PCP, 
um, and to get a referral to the endocrinologist. So then um, it was, it's just a bunch of awkwardness for me to go to like a doctor who knows nothing about trans people and be like, I'm trans, make a referral. It was so pointless because then I went to the endocrinologist and then there they had a therapist for me to talk to. Um, so I went to like my first appointment. I spoke with the endocrinologist and they also had a therapist. And so the therapist had to give them the approval on whether or not I um, was able to get um, hormones. Um, so uh, I was able to get it the first day. Um, I, I ended up waiting. She was like, she was very strict on like, she was like, if you plan on being a parent or if you have that idea, then I'm not giving you hormones until you figure that out. So I didn't, I got it the second appointment and not the first appointment, but the first appointment I met with the therapist. I met with the endocrinologist. We all sat down and we all talked and um, they agreed that I had gender dysphoria and that I needed hormones. And I ended up, uh, I quickly was able to get uh, hormones, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but it was, I would say, pretty. It was pretty expensive because of the health insurance. I'm so, so, so thankful for uh, the the marketplace, like the healthcare, the marketplace. Uh, Obamacare um, is what uh, it's commonly known as here, because uh, I ended up getting that. I pay like twenty bucks a month, and I have like. My appointments with endocrinology are like a dollar or five dollars, something for my copay. And my pills are like, they're very cheap. They cost like maybe uh, like a few bucks every like three months. So it's like pretty, pretty cheap. And so if you are interested in anything like that um, or you need health insurance, like my situation is very specific where I got kicked out and I didn't have anything. Um, if you're in a situation like that too, I definitely recommend looking into the marketplace because it, it definitely it has a lot of options for for different people, but like yeah, that was my experience. It was very uh, annoying, I'd say. But I think how long I had to wait and fight for it, I think made it all the better for when I got it because I knew that I was prepared. I knew this is what I wanted to do, and the reason I knew it is because I went through hell to get it, and um, I definitely am. I'm extremely thankful for that situation. Um, I wish that I had seen different doctors. I, I don't think the doctors I saw at uh, Shan's Pediatric uh, Gender Clinic, I don't think that they treated me. And I'm calling them out by name. So if you're in Gainesville, you know to avoid it. Uh, I don't think they treated me uh, at all with any respect. I think they saw me as um, this experiment, this teaching uh, material for these students. And I was just uh, treated awfully. And I definitely, it's definitely traumatized my whole experience with doctors. So if there's anything I could take back is seeing those doctors, especially when there was a ton more options. But at the time I was doing what I, what I could do. And at the time I was doing what I thought was best for myself. And so um, even though I went through so much to get my hormones, I'm happy in the end that I was able to get them and that I'm on them today. But yeah, that whole experience was very long um, it does suck when people aren't super educated on it. Um, but I would say, yeah, like I am so grateful that I was able to like find the right doctors and I was able to speak with the people that I knew were going to help me. And I was able to just, yeah, have that communication and just feel like, um, valid in my experience once I did finally start and, uh, it honestly was so great, like getting started. Like, I don't know if like you had the same experience, but like the first like week I was like, oh my God, like my boobs are growing. Like, oh my God, like, like, like this is changing. I can already tell like my face is getting rounder. My eyes are like glowing. I don't know if you had that same experience. I did. I literally like took my first hormone blocker and I was like, oh my God, I'm a different woman now. Like literally two seconds after I took it. And it's just like the anticipation of waiting to be on them for so long. And then finally being on them, it's it's literally so worth it. Like you brought brought up that there are a lot of annoying things that you have to deal with. Like I remember the first time like going into my endocrinologist appointment or like going to your therapist when at, at that point when I did it, I was I guess stressing 
androgynously, but I definitely don't didn't look the way that I do now. So it's like really awkward to like walk in and you want to tell everyone that you identify as these pronouns, but to them, you don't look like that yet because you're still at the very beginning. And it's just like really awkward and weird because you're like shy and you just want to get out of there. You want to get your hormones and leave. But at, at the end of the day, it is like a, a really, really important medical decision to take in your life. So I understand why there's so much precautions around it. And you really just have to have your vision and your mindset on the fact that once you get the hormones, your life is going to be changing for the better. And you just have to deal with these minor annoying things. And there's a lot of planning that goes around it, specifically in regards to like insurance, like you were talking about, because not everybody is fortunate enough to have health insurance and hormones, depending on who you get them from, your dosage and all of that type of stuff. The price does vary. I've seen some people pay up to hundreds of dollars a month for hormones. I've seen people pay as low as like $3 a month for hormones and it really just depends. So you do have to do a lot of research and look into whether or not your insurance carrier covers trans-related medical care or if you have to pay out of pocket, you have to put that into your budget and really plan everything out. Like I said, it's a really big decision, but I do agree. Like it was so worth it. I was so happy when I took hormones. Like the first month, I was just really happy because I was finally on them. And like obviously at that point, nothing is really changing because it's too early, but it's just all of the work that you had put in up until that point to finally get the hormones that you need in order to make yourself happy and align yourself with the way that you want to look in the future. They're finally inside of your body and changing everything. And that's what you have to just remember is that keep your head in your mind on the end goal and just be patient with the whole process because it is annoying and awkward. Like the, the most awkward moments of my life like happened at the beginning of my transition, like going to the endocrinologist for the first time, getting my legal name change and like all of those documents, literally horrifying. But now I'm here and I'm happy and it was all worth it in the end. Yeah, like super fucking awkward, like super awkward. Uh, I um always ha- or like it was crazy when you like start like you go to your first endo appointment or your first like few endo appointments to get started on hormones and like you're in the waiting room and they call you out and they call you by like your death name to like go like go be seen. They're like, "Oh, like is Mr. or whatever." They called me and then so I'm sitting there like waiting to go get her hormones and then they're like misgendering me. And so I was like, damn, like this like is so awkward. This is so weird. And whenever I first went to see my endo, I wasn't really dressing androgynous- androgynously or wasn't really dressing like in like feminine clothes. I was just kind of dressing in like just baggy clothes. Like I wasn't um, and then I really just was afraid to present myself in any other way. I was just really scared of how people were going to perceive me. And so I just wasn't, I wasn't wearing anything special. And so um, I remember my endo being like, yeah, like um, <clears throat> I see that you, um, <clears throat> sorry, I see that uh, you are like full time, like the way that you dress. Um, I see that like, yeah, you're not really wearing anything like feminine. So like uh, I I've had a few patients that haven't, but I definitely recommend you at least be part-time, at least sometimes try and dress in the the gender you're trying to firm with. But she was like, but I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give, not give you hormones because of that. Like, I definitely want to support you, which in res- retrospect, I'm looking back and I'm like, that's kind of like, I understand why they want you to like, like be full-time, but then it's like, you're also putting a gender on clothing, which I think is kind of weird, but I understand what she was coming from and what she was meaning and I'm happy that even though I wasn't like full-time, she did give me hormones because I know a lot of doctors aren't that way. But um, in retrospect, yeah, like clothing doesn't have gender, <laughs> like, but um, it was it was definitely one of those like awkward experiences because after she said that, then I was like, okay, then I'll like go and like buy some clothes that are like more like androgynous. And so like, uh, 
we should make like this whole like a whole like episode about like the clothes that we got like right when we like started hormones we should like the the way that we dress because i like i just know that i i wore a lot of flats i felt like that's what i thought was feminine was just flats which is like i don't know why i just because i was like that's like that's something that's like cute right but um yeah i think definitely my style when i first transitioned i was like super overly femme versus like now where i'm just a lot more relaxed i find clothes um, I, I'm very minimal. So I find clothes that I, that I enjoy wearing and I just like, I just wear it, whatever it is. <clears throat> but yeah, definitely the start of it, I definitely was like trying really hard because I wanted people to respect me and perceive me in whatever way that was. But now I also think it's, um, important for us to kind of talk about like our dosage and the hormones that we took, like what, what a good starting dosage is and like what we take now. And because I think that's important to talk about because um, I had issues with my, I had a bunch of issues with my doctor, but like, yeah, I I definitely had issues with my doctor not really listening to me or thinking that like, not really knowing how much to prescribe a trans patient. So I don't know if you want to like talk about like your starting dosage and like what um, you take now. If I even remember, (laughs) I think I started with two milligrams of estrogen and a hundred of spiro T blockers. I think that was my starting dosage. And that's also something I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of people like to compare dosages. Like I used to watch so many hormone update videos on YouTube prior to getting my hormones. And like I saw Julie Vu or like Gigi Gorgeous be like, oh my gosh, I'm at six milligrams of estrogen. And I was like, why are you only giving me two? Like these bitches are on six. Can you give me that? Cause I want to look like that too. And it's like, you don't realize at that point that your doctor is doing you a favor by starting you off low because your hormone balance level is like really important to the way that you just live. So starting off on a super high dosage is extremely harmful to your health and could have adverse side effects than what you actually want. So I feel like most doctors or endocrinologists, at least that have experience, will start you on a low dosage, which can be kind of annoying, but gradually they will bump you up as you get your blood work done over the next few months and years and adjust accordingly. Like I started off at six, now I'm at eight milligrams a day for estrogen and 200 milligrams of testosterone blockers. So now I feel like I'm at the max limit. Usually the max is like eight to six just because I've been on hormones for five years. So it just takes time. You have to be patient with the process. You can't just start off guns blazing because that's not going to give you the results that you actually want. And you just really have to trust that the doctor is going to be upping your dosage as you progress and as your blood levels change, as your estrogen rises and as your testosterone drops if you're a trans woman. So yeah, you should listen to your doctor. I know there were times when I was like, oh, I'm just going to take an extra estrogen because I feel like it today and I want my boobs to start growing. Like I mean, it's okay if you do that. You're not going to die. You're not going to die if you miss a dosage either. Like that was my biggest fear in the first few years. It was like, if I miss a dosage, my hair is going to fall out and my boobs are going to shrivel up and go inside of my body. But that's like not how it is. It's a very gradual process. Once you start hormones and you're taking them consistently, if you miss one, you're not going to die. You're not going to lose all of your effects. And if you take an extra your boobs aren't going to blow up immediately and you're not going to die either. So it's like, just stick to your plan. Take your hormones at the time that your doctor is recommending them to be taken at and everything is going to be okay. But it is like super stressful at the beginning because you want to be, everything's just, you want everything to be expedited and you're really impatient. And soon it just starts to become routine and you just take them day by day. And then you start to see the changes that you wanted to see slowly as time goes on. So I think it's also just important to keep in mind that transitioning is such a process. And once you start taking hormones or once you have access to them, it doesn't mean on that day, you're going to look the way that you want to look in the future. And you're going to be in a 
comfortable point in your transition. You really just have to take it step by step. And it sucks that like the first month you probably won't even see anything and it's frustrating. You're like, oh my God, I'm on hormones, but I'm not seeing any changes. But it really is just a waiting game and everybody's different and you just have to wait until you start seeing the changes with your own body. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think it's important for like, I think it's important for us to have a conversation with our doctors and make sure that um, they're listening to us or hearing us. And we're trying to like get as much information as we can from them. But I also think it's important to kind of talk with like different trans people, make like a community of friends to kind of see, you know, what medication they're taking is do a bunch of research and what the doctor's telling you to, um, they, they are very help. They're very helpful. And I know, um, in terms of like, like my doctors like constantly want to take blood work for me because they just constantly want to see, which, I mean, it's not a bad thing. Uh, is it a little too much? Uh, yes, I think so. But they're constantly taking my blood work and seeing uh, what's happening. But I know like when I first started, I think I started on like 0.5 of estrogen and a hundred of spironolactone. And um, eventually like after a month I went up to one and then maybe after like three or four months I went to two and then I was on two milligrams for so long. And then I was like begging my endo. I was like, it was probably like a year I was on two milligrams and I was like, I, I think I should be higher. I know people are taking six. And she was like, no, if you take more than two, you'll die. And like, like made it this weird thing. And then, so I started talking with all my friends, reaching out to like other doctors and trying to get like a second opinion. And everyone's like, two is like extremely low. Like that's literally so low. And I was like, I know people. I, and I think at the time you're probably taking six. I remember so, us having a conversation about you being on two. And I only yeah. started a few months before you. And at that point I was on six already. So I was like, that's not right. Yeah. And so I was so upset. And so finally, and the doctor, she was, she's so old. And um, she finally talked to someone else and they agreed that I can go up to four. And then um, I was on four for like maybe another year. And I was like, okay. Um, oh no, she tried to take me back to two because she forgot that she put me on four. She was like, I never put you on four. I don't know why you're there. You're so high. And so it was this huge thing where like I, like I blew up. Also, I was taking spironolactone, and then she or she prescribed me Lupron at the same time. So for like a like for like three or four months, I was taking Lupron, which is like the super super fucking extreme testosterone blocker, and then on top of that, spironolactone, um, which is like it just is super dangerous. And it's crazy how she thinks estrogen is dangerous, but not like completely blastering me with like a bunch of hormone blockers isn't dangerous. So um, it was make sure I think it's important to kind of ask around and definitely research what they're giving you because my doctor was straight up Googling the medication she wanted to give me. Like when I was there, she was like looking it up on her phone. So um, I definitely think I, I think now people are more like learned. I think people understand and, and know it more. So but yeah, so I started on like 0.5 um, and then they wanted to get me on patches, but I feel like patches um, they, I, I read about a bunch about it and I read that they like tank levels. So I was really concerned about going to patches. So I just wanted to stay on the pill and I started with 100 of spironolactone. Now I'm at 200 of spironolactone. And I want to make a quick call out. Um, I've been seeing a lot of tweets, um, especially lately, uh, talking about how spironolactone is really dangerous for trans people. And I just want to like call out, um, all these like elitists that are on like Twitter that are like talking about how like, oh, don't get, don't get spironolactone. Don't get put on spironolactone because it's just really bad for you. It like does this or that. Just get like um, estrogen shots because then you're, you have so much estrogen that you don't even have to like block the testosterone. And like that, those types of tweets upset me a lot because people are getting what they can. People are barely even able to get anything and to be elitist and say that you need to get this because like people like are getting spironolactone and they're so happy about it. And this is like what's keeping them like happy. And then now like I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my God, I need to get off spironolactone. But like my doctor prescribed that to me. Like, but now I'm like afraid. I'm like, oh my God, like, 
like should I be on this or that? And it's like super fucked up because trans patients are given things by their doctors. They can't just demand. And like I, I definitely think it's important to like ask your doctor and communicate with that. But to be like get this, do this, it's like super elitist because you don't know the situation of the other trans people. So every time I read it, I get like filled with anxiety attacks because I'm like, oh my god, like uh, spinal lactone is so bad for me. I'm gonna like. I'm going to like experience all this and like I, sh- I need to get off of it because that only makes me afraid of the medication that I'm taking. And like I hate reading those tweets because like now I'm like every time I take my medication, I'm like, oh my God, like this is like so bad for me. I need to like figure out how to stop taking this. But like I only have like one resource available to me and they're giving me spironolactone. What else am I supposed to do? Like not take hormones, not take the testosterone blocker? Like um, I'm only given these certain resources and I'd rather be dead than not take my hormones. And then so by putting that, it's like putting me in an impossible situation where I just, I don't know what to do. And so I, I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. If you're on spironolactone and your doctor doctor repre- um, recommends that and you're being seen re- like frequently, if you're getting blood tests frequently, then fuck those people who says you need to do this, you need to do that. Pace yourself. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel comfortable. If you're experiencing weird side, experiencing weird side effects with your medication, that's something that you can discuss with your doctor. I think it's important to have a dialogue with like what other people are taking to have that conversation with your doctor. But by telling people you need to take this or you need to take that, I think that's super fucked up. Period. It's kind of annoying that people are like trying to hijack the way that people take hormones. I've been on Spiro for five years. I haven't had any issues and I have seen like a lot of people talking about how it's bad. But at the same time, like like you said, our doctors are prescribing that to us. Like Spiro is used for a myriad of different things and it's something that people are prescribed. It's not going to kill you. I feel like with any type of medication or anything you put in your body, there's always a risk that it could do something. I know with a lot of the hormones in regards to transitioning, there's a chance of blood clots or other things. And that's something that I knew going in prior to transitioning that that's a possibility. But for a lot of people, potentially having a blood clot in the future or any other type of medical condition is not worth not being on hormones. And I I think people, like you said, need to realize that People are getting what they can and what they need in order to feel happy with themselves. And the fact that people are like trying to persuade others to medicate themselves in a very specific way when it might not be accessible to them is kind of, I don't know, it just seems like you don't really, you're just missing it and you think that everybody is able to just get shots all the time when that's not the case considering shots are oftentimes more expensive and require a lot more maintenance and you need a lot more help in order to administer them. Um, so I think obviously you should do your own research about the hormones and the pills that you're putting in your body, but also we wouldn't be using these types of medications and so many people would not be prescribed to them if they had like a serious, serious, serious side effect that could potentially like kill us. So I just wanted to put my two cents in. I haven't really read a lot about why people are against Spiro, but I've, like I said, I've never really had any issues and everybody's body chemistry is different. So what might have a negative reaction for one person could be completely different to others. I know I also take a third pill, which is called progesterone, which a lot of people have had negative effects taking it. I have had a few, nothing major, but I do know that that's a pill that not everybody is taking due to the fact that there are some side effects that people do not enjoy. So it really just goes back to seeing how your body reacts. If you have a good reaction and you feel fine and nothing's wrong, then I feel like there's really no need for you to change it. And if you do notice bad things, you should definitely bring it up to your doctor to see what your other options are. And I do also want to kind of go back to something that you said is like your doctor is not a genius. A lot of doctors are still learning how to deal with trans patients and dosages. So 
I feel like the most important thing to do is do your research, talk to other people, figure out what their dosages are. And if your doctor gives you a dosage that seems too low or too high, you should definitely bring up to them like, hey, I know a few friends that are taking this dosage and they've been on hormones the same amount of time as me. Like, can we do that? Or is there alternatives? What about taking shots or patches? Like, what does that do? So you kind of have to do your own research and not always listen to what everybody is saying online because, again, they don't know your body and they don't know what's going to be the best for you in your transition. Yeah. And the going to the progesterone thing that you were talking about, um, I had progesterone for like, um, I was on it for like a month or two and I was given a progesterone based birth control and it was just, it's not what needed to be administered to a trans person. That's not the sort of progesterone a trans person should be taking. So I had awful side effects and reactions to it and it just wasn't good for me. And so because of that, I just decided ultimately, like I just didn't want to be on progesterone. And I think that's perfectly okay. Um, I've had really like another like elitist thing where people are like, women's bodies naturally have progesterone. So in order to be like a trans like woman, in order to be a woman, you need to be taking progesterone. I've had people say shit like in the trans community say that shit to me. And so it, it is frustrating because um, I'm just trying to live my life. I'm just trying to be happy. Like right now, my doctor is talking about putting me on eight milligrams of uh, estradiol, but I'm comfortable with six. I mean, I don't really see how much more I will change if I were to go up to eight. I'm perfectly content with where I'm at right now. Um, he said my levels are like average, but they could be a little bit better. And I'm like, well, if it's if I'm not being hurt ultimately by this, then there's no point in for me to get like a higher dosage. And I'm content and I'm comfortable enough in myself to know when it's okay for me to stop. And so I think that's important too. Whenever you're comfortable or whatever you're comfortable with, make sure you do that. You know, you listen to yourself and listen to your doctor and have that communication. But, you know, make sure that you are precautious with what your doctor tells you. Always double check because trans like health is something that's new and coming up. Uh, don't judge other people for the medications they take. Like don't do that period. <laughs> Cause yeah, like uh, accessibility is important and you don't know what people have access to. Um, and I feel like with the whole spiral thing too, like I get freaked out cause like my insurance doesn't cover like bottom surgery. And it, once you get bottom surgery, um, you typically start stop taking like things like uh, spironolactone because uh, you don't need it because your body will stop producing natural um, uh, testosterone. So uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm just like, I just get really fearful um, when people say things like that and it overwhelms me because I know I don't have access to it. So I just hate seeing those like responses. I think it's it's okay to like talk with your friends <clears throat> And be like, yeah, like this is what I learned and like gently bring it up. But to just like drop things like that and then demand people to like change was like really messed up. So just don't be that person. Um, I see a lot of that within the trans community and I just find that super, super harmful and scary and it hurts. And um, yeah, I just for me, it like affects me so much. But <clears throat> in terms of like how we got started with hormones, I feel like that's like a good rundown. Um and I think we kind of discussed a lot about like just everything. Like um, it ultimately comes down to just like starting off, just looking for a doctor. Like once you like know that you want to start hormones, it's important to find a doctor. If you Google typically your city name and then along with like trans resources uh, or like resource list. So for me, I'll look up like Gainesville trans transgender resources and I'll get like a link with um like resources in my area. Someone I was helping recently, I they were looking for a doctor. And so I they were like, they couldn't find one. They were struggling. And all I literally did was get the city they were in and I put trans resource, resource list and I found a whole list of doctors. So um, if you don't find any in your area, look for ones in like the major cities like near you that you can travel to because typically you'll be able to find one. I feel like there, um, there's be, there's more and more doctors every year. So um, if you're ever having trouble, just look up resource lists. If you live in the Gainesville area or in like the North Florida type area, 
and you're looking for a doctor, reach out to me. I can definitely help you with that. If you have any questions, um, uh, yeah, definitely can help you with that. I know this, like Florida is pretty small in terms of like how many options we have. So if you just need any advice for sure, I can uh, give you some guidance. Yeah. Something about the trans community that kind of irritates me is like, it oftentimes feels like a competition and like people are constantly comparing each other to themselves. So I think it's important for you to realize that your journey is your own journey and not to look at what everyone else is doing or don't let anybody influence you on what you should be doing if it's not or if it doesn't make sense with your timeline and how you're progressing. Like if you don't feel a certain way or you don't feel like you need something that someone else has done, then you don't really have to do it. So I just wanted to point that out because when I first started hormones, like the only thing that I would do is watch hormone update videos of people like two, three years on hormones and asking why I'm not as pretty as them when I literally just took my first estrogen pill like 14 minutes ago. So don't do that. You have to just be patient. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't feel like you have to listen to what other people are saying you need to do with your body. And you really just need to figure out what path you want to take, what works for you, and move forward with that. And similar to you, if anybody lives in Seattle, Washington, in that area, definitely reach out to me if you have any questions about how to get started. I can see if I can try and connect with my old counselor to see if she's still practicing and if she's still able to give out referrals. I know my old endocrinologist in Seattle is still practicing. So anybody in that area, if you need any help or any assistance or have any questions, definitely reach out to me too because I would be so happy to help people in my area because I know that was stressful for me when I first started. Yeah. And I want to um, thank you guys for all like the comments and all the questions that you constantly have, um, especially regarding this. Um, and I hope that we're able to kind of help guide you through this. Um, it's like really, really hard to get started. Like that, that first initial step is like a huge, huge, big deal. Just admitting to yourself that like you want to start hormones it's like a big, scary like step, but I definitely think it's important to have that help, have that guidance because a lot of times it's, it's just scary. It's scary to feel alone in it. So we don't want you to ever feel that way. Um, definitely just know that you aren't alone in this experience and that, uh, you definitely have a support system within us. Um, so yeah, with that being said, we're so, so happy, uh, that you guys, um, just are constantly like listening to us or like reaching out to us for advice. And we absolutely love that. If you guys have any more questions sort of similar or anything in this field or any topics you want to hear us talk about in the future, uh, please feel free to DM us, reach out to us um, to talk about that specific topic because we would love to. Um, We have a whole like list of episodes ideas that we want to kind of discuss and we want to keep adding more to it to kind of have that constant conversation, that constant flow of communication between us and you and to be able to kind of guide you through situations that we've already experienced that we can possibly help you through. So um, yeah, if you have anything, like I literally have this notebook in front of me. Um, Every, like every uh, time we film, I write a bunch of notes. I write a bunch of any DMs I get. I write a bunch of like ideas of like things and topics that we can potentially discuss So yeah, any sort of thing or um, concept or idea uh, that you want us to talk about, let us know, even if it's something fun. Like I'm thinking about doing like a, like a uh, LGBT trivia game where like my partner will like ask uh, Gage and I questions and we have to answer it that's related to like the LGBT community, something silly, something fun and something that could possibly help us grow and learn, um, and yeah, I'm, I've also been listening to a lot of trivia podcasts, so that's why. But um, just like fun things like that, if you have any like game ideas that you'd love to hear us talk about, for sure, reach out to us because we would love to do stuff like that. Yes. And in the meantime, watch the craft so that you know what we're actually talking about when we discuss it. I'm so excited that there's finally like 
I mean, obviously it's not the best and the most and the most bountiful representation that I would like, but the fact that we're actually getting like a video game or a movie to talk about in the future, it makes me excited because I feel like we'll have a lot more content as next year rolls on and we'll have a lot more instances to discuss different forms of media where trans people are portrayed. So definitely watch the craft since we will be talking about it. If you have any recommendations of movies or video games that have trans representation, good or bad, that would be interesting for us to watch as well. Definitely recommend because there's not a lot. (laughs) So the more that we know of, the better for us to continue discussing different forms of media and all that type of stuff. Yeah, if there's um for sure if there's like an old movie that's like that has trans representation that you think is like awful, send it um our way. I would love to talk about it. I know that uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show is like a very popular one, which I haven't seen, but I've heard very like controversial things about it where people either love it or hate it. I know a lot of people justify it by saying it was like progressive for the time, but I'm curious to watch it myself. So if that's something you guys are interested in. Maybe like in the future, like a Halloween episode, we can kind of talk about it because I know that's typically like talked about a lot during like Halloween season. Um, But yeah, uh, let us know if you have any ideas or anything like that. Um, And so yeah, with that being said, I guess uh, uh, this episode is done and we hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us everywhere at Girlish Podcast. Um, and uh, if you are interested in our website, girlishpodcast.com has literally links to absolutely everything, our Spotify, our Anchor page, um, our Apple uh, podcast, our YouTube channel, literally everywhere. Um, but if not, you can just go to our Instagram and we're constantly um, posting there. Uh, so yeah, feel free to just find us wherever you'd like and we'll definitely uh, be active if you reach out to us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a happy holidays with whatever you choose to celebrate or don't celebrate. Stay safe. And we will see you again with another episode after the holidays are done. So thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. See you in two weeks. Bye. (laughs)